Good morning, everyone. I'm not Pastor Brian. I'm George Nauer. So, hi. Hello. My job this morning is going to be uh, the prayer, to lead everyone here in prayer and everyone on live stream in prayer. Because not only um, is it Christmas, and so everyone is already kind of in the, in the world, it's, wow, we really need to get into the flavor right now of the month. Let's think about the other person. But that's not what it's about. We, because we have Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord, as our Messiah. That's what's important all of the time. It's not just a tis the season. It's all of the time thing. And we know for a fact that we are a part of the biggest, biggest joy that there is. Okay? So what we want to do this morning is recognize that we are just a piece of it. So we each pray for each other. The world does it this month as saying, wow, this is really great, it's the season. And they forget it come, you know, 1st of January. But not for us. And Pastor Brian does a really great job of ensuring that that is foremost in our minds, that we are here for a blessing. And I have the honor and privilege this morning of leading us all in prayer for that. So who we're going to pray for this morning is Locust Presbyterian and Pastor Doug Van Neel and his wife. So if we can all bow our heads. We thank you, Father, for the honor and privilege of coming to you in your very presence. That we have a free pass. We don't have to go and kill a goat. We can go to our knees and crawl up in your lap and say, Father, thank you for your love. And we take that opportunity now for them, Father, and their church. We thank you, Lord, for a blessing that they are to everyone in the community and to everyone in the body. For those people that we don't even know that they touch, we thank you, Father, for their mission and the gifts that you've given them and the honor and the privilege and the strength that you've given them to perform exactly what they need to do and what you have them to do. And we lift them up, Father. We thank you for them. We ask right now that if there's something that we can do for them, that you show us that you show us most as a collective body and as an individual. Yep. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to pray for them. We thank you, Lord, for them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, sir. <clears throat> Is it not a blessing to be able uh, to pray for a different body besides your own? There's a humility in that, and there's a grace in that, and it's so important for us to recognize, uh, hey, it, it's not all about us, you know. It, it is in some sense because, you know, Jesus died for you personally, right, and us personally. But at the same time, it's not all about us because you're not the only one that he paid this life for. And uh, so when we recognize that and we honor that, the Lord honors us in that. And it's just an honor to be able to lift up other parts of the body. So we just welcome you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for anybody who's uh, joining us online or in the archives. And uh, we just praise God. Uh, we've been in the series called Proof. And if you would turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. And have you, you know, the whole... 
uh, basis of this series is, have you ever wanted to just be able to say, hey, here's some proof about Jesus, here's some proof about God, or maybe you've just wanted it for yourself, right? You just wanted to know, you know, there is proof. I want to see it. I want to know. You know, now ultimately, here's the thing about, uh, I've had this conversation a lot with different people over the last few weeks, but ultimately, this is, this is it. God's going to lead us to the place where we're still not going to know everything. It's going to take a step out with faith in order to get to the places that God wants us to be. Faith is the, the thing that God put in our lives to be able to connect us with him through his son. So in other words, once God set that as a way and as an order and faith was a vehicle, so to speak, once he set that as a vehicle, well, that can't be changed. In other words, for you to move into the things of God, it's going to take faith. In other words, you're not going to know every detail about everything before you have to take a step and say, all right, Lord, I see that you've called this. I'm trusting you, even though I don't know how all the dots are going to be connected. Right, I don't know exactly how you're going to lead me from point A to point B where my answer is, but I trust you. I trust your character. I trust your nature. So when I say proof, I'm not talking about the fact that you'll never have to use faith. Matter of fact, I'm talking about you'll actually uh, be led into more places where you'll need to use faith. But what you'll start to see in your own life and people will look into your life and see is that God is very, very real. And so let's look at these scriptures and then we'll go from there. Uh, Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, uh, in the King James it says, I beseech you. In other words, I'm begging you. Do this. Do what I'm about to say. He says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, I talked about it the first week, but I'm, I'm pretty glad that he didn't say a dead sacrifice. That, that makes me happy. And uh, the good thing is that he was the dead sacrifice so that we could be the living sacrifice. He allowed himself, Jesus allowed himself to be a, a lamb to the slaughter, right? So that he could rise up again and with him bring back to life all the people that would accept him as Lord so that we could be the brothers. He would be the firstborn of many brothers. You are a part of the body through Jesus Christ and you get to be living a living sacrifice because he died and rose again. Now we rise to life with him. But we don't do that simply by accepting him and then just leaving it alone. We're not a living sacrifice just by accepting Jesus and be like, okay, see you in heaven. You know, it doesn't work like that. We're a living sacrifice because we say, okay, thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. And now because you've paid your life for me, let me as a living sacrifice give you my life. And so how do we do that? Well, one of the first ways right here. Uh, to give your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. So he kind of defines what a living sacrifice is. It's not acceptable to you. It's not acceptable to your mindset. Let me, I'll just let y'all sit on that. 
It's not acceptable to you. In other words, God's going to be outside of your thoughts. Shocking. I know it's true. He's bigger than you, but he's going to be outside of the way you think. So for you to think that you're going to go through the rest of this life and God's not going to draw you outside of your way of thinking, well, that's a very limited God. And I don't serve a limited God. I serve an unlimited God. And I don't want to serve a limited God. I want the unlimited power of God flowing and moving in me. But it does not happen if I limit myself to how I think right now. It doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen in your life. That power and love of God, it doesn't just come just because you said, okay, yes, Jesus. The ability to get there does, but you've got to make some choices. It's us partnering with God. It's us moving under the conditions, the orders, the ways that he set. And all of a sudden, we step into a place where the power is there, where his love can be made manifest. So a living and holy sacrifice is acceptable to God. And he goes on to say, this is your spiritual service of worship. How many people as a believer think that we should worship God? Is that a good idea? Yeah. But what does worship mean to you? Does that mean just when music's playing? Is that worship? No. It's a part of it. But worship is a lot more than just when music's playing. Worship is... Every second of every day, everything I do, everything I think, everything I say, it either worships God or it doesn't. Amen. It's one or the other. And, and what God's saying right here through the Holy Spirit, given this scripture, is he's saying, being a living sacrifice that's not acceptable to you but acceptable to God, that's your spiritual service of worship. What he's saying right there in the King James, it says, it's your reasonable service. In other words, if he paid, if the King of kings, Lord of lords, Son of Almighty God himself said, your life is worthy of me to pay my life for, then we ought to be sitting there going, I am not the Son of God. I am not the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if anything is reasonable, if anything is right, my life should be given for yours. So when he set the precedent, he's opening up the door for us to follow suit and move in that action of love that says, let me give you my life. Let me give you my thoughts. Let me, let me give you every action that I have, every minute, every second. Let me give you everything. Let me give you everything, every choice. It's a living sacrifice. And the beauty of this is it doesn't just stop there. It goes on. It says this in, in verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. That means don't be molded into the shape of a world system. You know, some of those world systems are taught right in church. Do you realize that? Not everything that you've ever learned in church, including this one probably, is of God. 
Now, we're always working to get out of the mold and get into what is God and God alone. But we've got to be willing to go into the Scriptures and say, hey, that's not God. Maybe even what I've learned is not God because of this. This, is, this doesn't line up. In other words, don't be molded into what the world says. And let me tell you, the world is very uh, well-equipped to mold you, to put pressure on you, to form you into another, uh, you know, I said this the other week, just another brick in the wall. You're, it, they just want you to look the same. Why? Because then you can be controlled. But God came and Jesus came and was anointed to set you free. To break you out of the mold and allow God himself to start shaping you. To start molding you into his workmanship. Into his masterpiece. Let him be the artist in your life by giving yourself as a living sacrifice so that he can do what he wants to do. And it says, don't be conformed to this world, don't be molded, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, change your way of thinking. Change your life. Not, not just to what the world says, not to what I say, but what has God said about these things? What has he said? And why? What happens when we do that? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, when I step up and I give myself as a living sacrifice, as a spiritual service of worship, and I, I'm not molded to the world, but I allow the Holy Spirit and I allow God to transform me, to to make me his masterpiece, all of a sudden things start happening in my life and through my life and it starts to prove just how good God is. It starts to show not only ourselves but the world that God's will, it's good. It's perfect and it is acceptable. Well, have you ever dealt with people and you're trying to tell them about Jesus and they're like, I don't want to accept that. Well, what's the reason? I don't have any reason to it. Why would I want that? You know why? Because they have not seen any proof in your life that says that it's worthy of accepting. What if every believer in the body of Christ literally did these two verses? What would the world look like? Shoot, what would Albemarle look like? <laughs> you know? What, what would this church look like? It would look different. The glory of God can now move through his lights that he's placed in the earth called believers. So today, I want to, you know, last week we talked about proof. The key in proof is demonstration. In other words, when, when Jesus came, when the disciples of John came and said, Are you the Christ? He sent them back and said, You tell him what you've seen. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. You tell him that there has been demonstration of the power and the love of God. And then Paul said in one of his letters, he said, Look, I don't come in, in convincing words of man's wisdom, but I come in demonstration and power. 
In other words, the proof that the world is looking for, and, and it's still going to lead them to, just because, I mean, there's a bunch of people that can perform illusions that look like miracles. So just because they see something doesn't mean that, that all of a sudden there's no nothing left to have faith in. No, it, it opens up their eyes. It breaks the shell so that the seed of the word can get into their lives. The proof is in demonstration. In other words, we were talking about renewing the mind last week, and we said you, you don't just stand up here and, and this is ungodly and this is godly. And I get born again and I renew my mind and now I start seeing things godly. It's not okay for me to stand because if I'm actually having my mind renewed, I know through the things of God, through the character, through the nature of God, mind renewal is not just turning around and seeing things from a different view, but complete mind renewal is recognizing that at some point I've got to take action in it. I've got to step towards it. In other words, it's demonstration of the mind renewal starts to prove God's will is good. So here's these things. I know that you probably wondered about this. How do you win your family to Christ? How do you support the body of Christ around the world? What's the best thing that you can do here? How do you change Washington and our nation and the world? How do you do that? I mean, you're just you in Albemarle, in North Carolina. How do you change these things? I remember... In when we first started the church, you know, I was I was seeing you know stuff in our nation that to me looked very ungodly, and I'm thinking, God, how do I change that? What's what do I do? I mean, I'm now leading a, a flock. I'm leading a body of Christ. I mean, do I do I gather them up and we go and go to Mar Washington and do we march and like? Choose Jesus, you know. No, what do we do? How do we, you know, you know, don't be dumb. Choose God, you know, something. What do we do? How do I motivate the world for change, our nation? How are we that light? How are we that light? That was a good story. We'll move on. Um, <laughs> Romans 12, 4. I'll answer it in a minute says this, you know, this is Romans 12, 1 and 2 are our key verses, but if you keep on going down into this passage, it starts talking about that people are called to different things and that just because uh, they're a different part of the body doesn't, doesn't mean that they're a lesser, that they have to be in their place. It says, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. That's a, that's a key phrase right there. Since we have gifts that differ, differ each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, and it goes on. In other words, you are to stay in your lane. 
You are to take the gifts that God has given you and you are to apply them where God has called you to be. But look, the body doesn't function right if each one of us doesn't do what God's called us to do. Here's, here's one of the things that happened is I, you know, when I asked God that question and later on he gave me more insight into it in the scriptures, you know, there were social injustices that were happening all the time in Jesus' world. But how many did Jesus go and picket and march for? No, he marched for the one that would change all of them at one time. He stayed in his lane to tell people about the good news of God. If anybody was going to stand up and socially be an activist and, and it was God to do it, Jesus would have done it. But he didn't. And this, his answer kind of surprised me. I remember I was standing outside uh, at one point, and I'm seeking the Lord. Lord, how do I change what's going on? This ungodliness that I'm seeing in our area, in our nation, in the world. What, what can I do? I want it to change. What can I do? And God said this. He said, you preach the word. That's what I've called you to do. Lead this local body to make godly choices. And my thoughts were, well, what about the people up in Washington and, and around the world in different countries? How do I affect them? And his answer was, preach the word. In Boomerang, do that. In other words, stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane and it, people in Washington stay in their lane and the people around the world, I'm talking about Christians now, Okay, uh, stay in their lane, guess what happens? The world is not void of light because they're in their lane being empowered to be in their place and the light rises and the light shines on the darkness and the darkness and the deception is revealed and there's no other choice and no other power there that can overcome that light. But you've got people that are out of their lane. 1 Corinthians 12.11 says this, But one and the same Spirit works all these, diff different, all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. Then it goes on in verse 14. For the body is not... Here's what, before we even read any further, I want you to notice something. You know what? God has a plan. For the light to shine. God is not without a plan. You know, he's not going, oh my goodness, what happened over in the Middle East? Oh no, that is not God. He's not looking down into Albemarle in your lives and saying, hey, hey, they're going to be in this jam spiritually and, and what are we going to do? Oh, I hope, I hope they turn out okay. No, he set you in a place. He has a plan. He put a shepherd over you and you know, with you to be with you, to guide you, to, to lead you, to help you in those moments. He's already got a plan. And if we will line up and get in his plan, stay in our lane, all the needs will be met, not just here, but around the world if people will do the same. 
In 1 Corinthians 12, 14, it says, For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, Because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, Because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body. If it were for this reason any the less a part of the body. If it, were not, if it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, Listen to this. Where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smelling be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. See, here's the problem. We think because bad things are going on outside of our vicinity and outside of our place, and outside of our area, maybe in Washington or in the rest of the world, that we're not doing enough. That's a lie from devil, from the devil. He's trying to fear you and condemn you to get out of your place and get into a lane that you're not supposed to be in. He's trying to get you to a place where you will start moving in fear. You think that being in a, a church that's, that's growing in Albemarle, North Carolina, you're not doing enough. Let me tell you, if you are placed in this church, you are doing everything you need to be as you give yourself a living sacrifice to God. Now, if you're just coming and, and you're not really seeking Him on what to do or anything else, maybe you're not doing enough. But here's the thing. Don't get distracted in thinking, I've got to travel halfway around the world to be something. Yeah. Yeah. To be something. See, here, here's one of the things that you've got to understand. God has a plan and He's placed you in it already. Yeah. If it wasn't a part of your plan, you wouldn't be here. At the very least, guess what? You're a part of the plan of hearing this message this morning. You're in that plan already. I want you to notice something with Jesus. You remember uh, Jesus, you remember the woman whose daughter needed healing, and she came to him, but she wasn't a Jew. And Jesus said, and I want you to notice, and he had a reason. He stayed in his lane. He said, hey, I'm not supposed to come, basically, to the Gentiles. I'm sent. To the Jews first. What was he doing? Staying in his lane. He was staying in his place. Now that woman did not get offended. Matter of fact. She, she started speaking faith. <laughs> you know, look, hey look. I, I can eat even of the crumbs. Of the good stuff you're doing. And she said, and he said, yes, you can, your faith. See, God moves on faith, and, but a lot of times, what do we want to do? What do you think the disciples were doing when Jesus told that lady, you know, I'm not here to give food to the dogs? What do you think the disciples were doing? Oh, my gosh, Jesus, no, I can't believe you said that. See, we were trying to invite her to the church. But Jesus stayed in. All right, listen. Had Jesus gotten out of his lane, do you think the promise would have been better or worse? Worse. Jesus stayed in his lane. He gave the woman an opportunity to step up in faith, and the daughter was made completely whole. He stayed in his lane. 
See, a lot of times we have needs and we have stuff that happens and and we just let the devil pull us out of our place so easy. Or we look around and we're like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing enough. I hear that all the time. And it's a deception from the devil. Just be in your place. You would be amazed at what you're doing. I could tell you stories just on this church right here since we've been here almost seven years now. Stuff that we have changed around the world. In this little building. And it is a little building. And yet we've changed things around the world. We have advanced the kingdoms in ways that we can't even fathom right now. Why? Because we've stayed in our lane. We've had people try to push us to be this kind of ministry and be this kind of ministry. And we just stayed in our lane. And watch as God turns the gears in his plan. And stuff happens. See, people get so uh, disheartened because they, they don't see it with their eyes. They're living more by their sight than they are by faith. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're um, not happy with where they're at. I'm just not seeing enough results. You're not looking with eyes of faith. You've got to understand what you're doing. You're in your lane. And let, let, me, let me show you something here. Uh, Jeremy, will you come here? And Roger and George and Brandon, Chris and Stephen, Jeff. All right. Line up. No, no, no. Just line up right here. Just some about six, seven guys. Everybody stand shoulder to shoulder. All right. Now let's say... That they're all in their lane. All right, now back up like three steps after I get out of the way. <laughs> awesome. Let's say that they're all, this is almost intimidating. Uh, let's say that they're all in their lane. And, and uh, let's, let's center you up a little bit. Stephen, will you go on that side of Jeremy? There you go. You can go over front, it's fun. Now your lane is directly in front of you. Just like cars on a highway. What God's told you to do is just keep walking towards him. And so when I say go, I want y'all to take like three steps and just like act like you're something. Act like you're a child of God. I mean, stick your chest out, something. Act like you are who God said you are. The righteousness of God in Christ and a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of darkness. So take those three steps forward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty, that was a Ric Flair. Woo! <laughs> All right, now do it again. Everybody back up. Back up. It's impressive. Look, we got seven guys in their lane. All right, do it again, but do it with some, some speed and force. And do it as one. One, two, three, go. Yeah, all right. See, there's a four. Like, can you feel that? It's like, okay, all right, back up again. All right, now watch. Love, love is not just, love is not just doing what you think is right. Remember, a living sacrifice is doing what's right that's acceptable to God. So love is not just seeing something and reacting to it. So let's say that all of a sudden over here is a problem. And it's, and it's major. No, say right there. Let's say right here is a problem. All right? 
And all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, there's a problem. And you go get in front of Stephen, and you go get in front of Jeremy, and you go get in front of, in front of uh, Stephen too, and you go get in front of Jeremy. All right, And all of a sudden they are handling the problem. I mean, they are dealing with it. Does that not seem awesome? Only problem is God didn't tell them to be here. And now take one step forward. One, take one step forward. All right. See, just because the enemy put some distraction and fear over on this side doesn't mean that he's not going to try to break ranks on this side. And now, what is George thinking? Where's all his help? Because everybody moved. They got out of their lane because the devil gave them fear or presented a distraction. It's very common wartime technique, and yet spiritually we fall for it all the time because all of a sudden we, because we don't understand the power of being in our lane. And so what they do is they go to a problem that really probably isn't that big of a problem in the first thing, but they leave this guy all alone. So now where his, where's his support? Where's his backup? That's an issue, right? In the church, we've been doing this forever. Now watch this. All right, back up again and shoulder to shoulder. Get right in your lane. All right, now let's say that over here is a family member that needs salvation. They need, they need something, right? right? Barrett needs salvation. She needs Jesus, right? And let's say that, all right, you got husband and brother and brother and cousin and, and everybody else. And all of a sudden, that was not nice. <laughs> Let's say that all of a sudden they say, she needs help. And so what happens? They all come over here except Stephen stays in this lane. And so they all move over here. Now look, here's, here's five lanes that have nobody attending to kingdom business because, again, out of fear. See, we don't move because of fear or a need. We move at the leading of God. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has laid it out in His Word, stay in your lane. Do what you're anointed to do. See, here's the problem with this kind of thinking. And again, we're leaving people over here without the backup that they need. We're, we're, not, we're taking away strength from the people that are staying in their lane. All right, spread out again. Here's the issue. Here's the issue with that. What we're doing is we're assuming because there's a need here. We're assuming that nobody else is in their lane. We're assuming that God doesn't have a plan. We're assuming that there'll not be somebody there. See, here's the thing. If somebody else is in their lane, you know, uh, go on the other side, Stephen. If somebody else is in their lane, let's say that, that Barrett has a need in uh, Raleigh. Let's say she's in Raleigh. That's where the need is. Then does God have a plan to meet that need? Yes. Then somebody in Raleigh 
that is anointed with the plan, with the answer that she needs, if they are in their lane, they'll walk right up and have the solution. We can't move because of need. We can't move because of fear alone. We've got to move because the Lord led us. It's like, it's like Bartimaeus, right? Jesus is walking along. For as far as we can tell, he was going to walk right past blind Bartimaeus. He was going to stay in his lane. Now, faith moves the will of God. Faith readjusts the plan. What faith does is maybe somebody wasn't in their lane, but now faith is being applied by her. The Lord will send somebody to get in their lane and come meet that need. That's what happened with Jesus. As he stayed in his lane, faith reached out, and it, God moved part of the plan to get that. He led somebody to get in that lane. We don't just move because of fear or a need. But if we stay in our lane, how many fronts against the enemy are now being pushed back? All of them. How many are missing? None. Thank you, guys. God already has a plan. God already has a plan. And he's placed you in it already. Let me ask you this question. Do you think that God is incompetent? Or do you trust God for your place and your mission? Do you trust God enough to be living sacrifice and proof in your lane? See, our lane today in Boomerang Church may be a church in a small town, a church that's not very old, that's being established, that, but maybe it's not established like a hundred-year-old church. Maybe, maybe it's still growing, which it is. Our lane may be that exactly. But when people are moved because, well, I'm uncomfortable here, or when people are moved because, well, I think I'd be, I want to be attending something bigger or better over here or over there. You know, uh, how about if everybody's in their lane, but they're like, hey, there's a church over there that's growing, and they all go, ooh, and get over here in that lane. Well, that's not smart either. And, and what about when, what about when uh, boomerang explodes and people are all excited about that? You know what? I don't want them out of their lane because excitement's happening. That is not the way it works. It works because God has placed the members. And when we get in our place and stay in our lane, the will of God is carried out. And listen, there's not one gap of the shining of the light of God. There's not one gap of the salt preserving the earth. See, I've got to trust God that if I've got a family member somewhere else, I don't have to jump and move every time they need something. I've got to trust God. He's got a plan, and he's got somebody in their lane. If I'm believing for a family member, he's got somebody that's coming up in their lane, and they're going to meet the power of God head on, and I don't need to go in there and try to get in front of them and try to be God. That's the issue. We're trying to do that when we don't stay in our lane. God has placed the members in the body. 
Your lane is wherever. This is why, you know, you've heard me talk about this forever and a day. And most anybody who's visited here, I've told you, I think almost every single one, I don't want you to be uh, where necessarily you want to be or necessarily even at Boomerang unless God's placed you here. I want you to be where God has placed you. If that place is boomerang, great. If it's somewhere else, great. I want you to be in the body because I recognize the power of being in your lane. See, I could get up here and I could teach all about politics and I could teach all kinds of stuff on, on uh, politics and, and do that. But I would not be being in my lane. My lane is to tell you about the goodness of God and in the goodness of God and in his promises and what is godly and what's not godly. It's up to you to go in there and say, wow, that politician is not lining up with what's godly. I need to vote for the one that's godly. By being in my lane, everybody's ship rises. Everybody's boat rises. If I get out of my place, here's the thing. I'm like, let's say that I had that family member and I tried to jump in the way. God's got a plan. He didn't need me in this lane I'm actually now blocking the one that did have the answer, the spiritual answer that God knew how to push that family member's buttons. God knew how to solve the problem. I'm blocking the one that actually has the spiritual answer that can unlock it. But if I just run to every fear and every need that I perceive and I don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead me and to stay in my lane, to stay in my place, then I'm going to be running all over the place. I'm going to be scattered and I'm actually going to be stopping the will of God from being done all with a good heart and good intentions and missing it. If I get out of my place Listen, I'm starving the person that I'm called to. If I'm in this lane and my lane is to minister to the people that are in front of me and I go over here and run because of a need, the people that are now in my lane that I'm supposed to touch and minister to, they're starving because I'm out of my place. If I get out of my lane, I'm disobedient. If I get out of my lane, I'm not being faithful in the small things. See, this, this is a big deal. We look at stuff and we just go, well, this is just small. I'm not doing anything. Oh, yes, you are. How can a foot say, I don't need the eye? How, you know, if I, if the, it's all eyes, where's the hearing? Every lane is important. Every member is important in the body of Christ. And no matter where you're at, if you are in your place and in your lane, it is just as important as every other member in the body, in the eyes of God. David said it when they all went to war. He said, these guys, y'all go to war. They went and fought the battle. And you guys watched the equipment. And when they came back from the war and they had the spoils of war, the victory, the rewards, the gold, the everything. David said, divide it equally. He was showing a picture of God because God doesn't see just the people that are out there that everybody sees are fighting the battle are worthy of the reward. He says everybody, when they are in their lane, they are worthy of the same. Stay in your lane. You know, sometimes you feel like, sometimes you feel like, and, and 
that I'm just not doing enough. If you're in your lane, you're doing everything. Just question your humility, and am I really being led, and am I being obedient to what God's asking me to do today? If you're doing that, you are in your lane. I don't care what it looks to anybody. In the eyes of God, he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done! You know, there are preachers that everybody in here are familiar with. They will not get that. But yet you'll have somebody that's washing a a commode or they're answering a phone and they'll get in front of Jesus. And which one matters? In front of Jesus. They'll get in front of him and he'll say, Well done, good and faithful servant. See, what we've done is we've said, my lane's not important. And we've allowed the devil to give us that lie. My lane is not important. And what I consider to be a little thing, we stop being faithful in it. We stop thinking that's important. And we get out of our lane. And now there's a gap in what God's doing. If we get out of our place, I leave the team that God himself has placed me in, in a weakened position. But if I stay in my lane, here's the thing. Use the example of a family member somewhere off. If I stay in my lane, that is an act of faith. That is an act of, Lord, I trust you. And what I can do right from this place better now than ever before is say, Lord, I apply my faith to that situation, to that family member. And what I'm doing is the person that is called in that lane, I'm, I'm adding my faith. I'm strengthening their position by staying in my lane while my flesh is going, you go do it, you go do it, you go do it. But by staying in my lane, I'm actually adding strength to the person that is in their lane. By staying in my lane as a living sacrifice, I'm ministering to the place that I'm called. And now, the people that I'm ministering to, that I'm going to meet in my lane, they are now empowered to be in their place and strengthened with all faith and strengthened with all might to be in their place and get in their lane. But that's going to be missing if I leave. If I stay in my lane, now I'm obedient. That means that I'm going to be walking in more of the blessings. That means I cover my lane well. If I stay in my lane, that means I'm faithful in the small things. Now God can give more. He multiplies what you're able to do by staying in your lane and being a living sacrifice. And when I stay in my lane, I am strengthening my team. So what is most important is that you be a living sacrifice and prove God in your lane. Your lane may be, your lane definitely is, the church where God has placed you. Your lane may be your work. Your lane may be your family. It absolutely is your family. Your lane, your lane may be your friends. Your lane may be the ladies' group. Your lane may be, in, be doing some menial task. Or it may be doing something that looks great in the eyes of men. Or it looks small in the eyes of men. The question is, have you sought God? And have you heard from Him where your place is? And are you staying in it? And giving in your lane, 
giving yourself as a living sacrifice so that the world around you may prove, may prove that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And if we all in the body of Christ all around the world stay in our lane, where are the gaps? There are none. Are we in God's plan or out? Is God competent for me to stay where he's called me to be and stay in my lane? Let me tell you, he is faithful. And he's bigger than your thinking. Where you thought there's going to be a gap, God's saying there's no gap there, you just can't see it. I have put together a plan where there are no gaps. The question is, will you stay in your lane and not produce a gap by being disobedient to me? Your lane may look big. It may look small. It doesn't matter. It all counts the same. Are you in your lane? Are you giving yourself in that lane as a living sacrifice? So right now, I just let's just stand and it's a time to say, you know what, have I, have I heard this correctly? And, you know, Lord, I... Yeah. All right, so let me ask this question. How many of us have ever gotten outside of our lane? Everybody. Everybody. So do we all have something to hand back to God and say, Lord, I've missed that. So, Lord, right now, we just repent. Lord, we repent for being out of our lane. Lord, we repent for having small thinking, for having unfaithful thinking, for doubting your plan. Lord, we repent. That means we turn out of that thinking, and we will never, never turn back. Lord, let us be faithful. Let us hear you and be obedient by hearing our place, getting in our place, and staying in our lane. Let us move as a force united. Let us prove to the world around us that your will is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, let us be the proof, be the life empowered by Christ every day of our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, we change, we repent, and we turn. And we never turn back to thinking that what we're doing is not enough when we hear from you and give ourselves as a living sacrifice in that place. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, and yet your word says that if we confess, we repent, you are faithful and just to forgive us. That means to take us to the place where it's like it didn't happen. So right now, Lord, we release the condemnation associated with missing it. And we have freedom right now. In every area of our life, may the freedom of Christ be in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining us today, and have a great day.